Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Jody Fisher. This is the podcast for all dads who want to succeed with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. And here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey, Jody, how you doing? Hello, Paul. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, a couple of things that uh, happened this week, Jody, I wanted to share with you. We got a, um, a shout out on TikTok. On our TikTok channel, so someone else shouted us out, oh, uh, are recommending kids following us. us now? Uh, my daughter. On so TikTok? yeah, <laughs> so my daughter, she said, "Dad, do you want me to shout you out on on my TikTok channel? Because you know I have three hundred followers and you only have 10. I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah, sure. She goes, but that'll cost you a dollar. Right? Oh, I love it. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Like part I of me was it. like, wow, Did that is so wonderful. Hair? She knows the value of. So maybe you might have an apprentice with you soon, Jody, oh in your gosh. field. I thought that was great. She learned how to monetize her channel. Good for I her. That was very interesting. So I guess we have to beef up our TikTok channel. We'll have to come up with something hip. I don't know what it'll be, Jody, if it's us dancing or maybe we'll have to explore Nobody how we can. Nobody needs to see that. Yeah. Well, maybe that's the funny part. Like, you know, dad's dancing to financial advice, right? Maybe that's our hook. I don't know, right? Uh, we'll have to give it a think. Um, your daughter, your daughter can be in charge of the channel. How about that? That's right. <laughs> I could, yeah, we could, we could hand it I off. I have to no her. idea what I'm doing over there. <laughs> um, the second thing that happened this week with me was uh, I'm in sort of a car quandary. Uh, my car is in great condition, but I'm getting to the point in mileage where I brought it in for service, and and I had a discussion um, with with uh, with some family and friends on, you know, is it time to kind of sell it? and cut my losses before the car starts having any kind of real problems. And I think this is always the thing that people debate back and forth in their minds in terms of owning a car, right? When do you cut the cord? Like, because no one has x-ray vision into your motor or into your transmission, right? To see when something might go, right? So you're always rolling dice, especially as you put more mileage on a car, you keep rolling those dice. So. I'm sort of thinking about it now, Jody, and trying to figure out, okay, when do I say enough's enough and I cut my losses on this particular car, sell it, and get another car? Jody, you ever have that uh, feeling? I know you lease cars. I'm not sure. Do you always kind of turn them in or do you, have you owned one for a long time and then kind of was on the cusp? Any stories around that? Uh, yeah, well, we, we lease cars currently, and um, we're, we're a couple years into that. Yeah, I've gone back and forth. I've leased, and then we bought, and then now we're leasing again. The reason we went back to leasing is because um, we ended up going into negative equity with a car, uh, and it cost us a, really a lot of money um, and, and, and took a long time to dig out of. So the long story short is that we lease – for that reason i'm also just not a car guy you know some people are i'm not i have no interest i don't care i go fill her up and that's it <laughs> i make sure their airs and the air and the tires and the wipers clean the windshield and that's about it so um so i spend a little more money leasing the car but in my mind it's just it's completely worth it ah uh, okay okay so you don't have a spray bottle of just water in your garage so if you see a little bird doo-doo on your car you don't immediately wipe it down uh, no, I don't. <laughs> I'm not that fact, obsessive, though. You know what no, I do? I'm not have, that obsessive, I have the Jody. monthly I, I subscription to the... A... Yeah, go ahead. I, no, I have the monthly subscription to the car wash place, so I can drive through any time I want and get a car wash. That's I don't fun. even have to get out of the car. Like, that's how bad I am on, on the car front. I will do so many other things with my own two hands. Cars are not one of them. 
Yeah, I, I have to agree. I mean, I'm not a car mechanic or, or handy with a car, but I do like cars. So I, I go back and forth. So, uh, you know, stay tuned. Uh, I'll keep everyone posted as to what I wind up doing. But for now, I'm going to sit tight with the car I have. I like it. Uh, I think the miles on it are relatively low, and I'm just going to try to hang out with it for as long as I can. I think that's the game plan. But, you know, ask me tomorrow. It might be a different story. So Here's the big question. Do you like the car? I do. Yeah, I do like the so car. That, that is like more than 50% of the game. Yeah, and that's what I figure, right? I, I, I figure I keep it in nice shape. It stays in the garage. Right now with COVID, I'm not driving it a heck of a lot. Um, it's fun to drive, in my opinion. My son likes to drive it. He's 16. My daughter is shocked that I let him drive it. That's like that's the car difference in our house. Like my wife's car is the, you know, you could do anything with that car, right? And my car, everyone knows, you know, um, you're not going to do everything you do in mommy's car and daddy's car, right? <laughs> so just the way it is. I've always been that way. And I, I could get into a whole podcast episode on on cars and the Fagan family, but I won't. I'll just put it to you this way, that it's kind of in my blood to maintain and keep a car nice. That's probably, you know, it's handed down from generation to generation. So, but um, but on that note, I think we'll switch to our topic for today, which is 401 401k basics. Understanding the basics of the most common retirement plan, which is the 401k or, or some flavor of it. But first, let's talk about some news we saw this past week. The first news story is from the Business Insider. Um, I asked three financial experts if I should invest in the stock market or buy a rental property, and they all said I should become a landlord. So this was an interesting article, Jody. Um, I'm reading through it, and some of the highlights... Um, are, you know, that this person asked these several uh, experts and they're saying, you know, they cited passive income, control over the asset and tax and retirement advantages over owning a rental property as a good reason to buy one. Um, For me, um, I'm taken back to my younger years. Um, I had a barber, uh, of all things, that we became friendly with. The family became friendly with this barber. Um, and my father was good friends with him. And the guy tried to get my father convinced to buy a multifamily house, which I think would have been a great investment. So I think it is a great investment, but I think it takes a certain person to own rental property because, you know, you got to make sure that, you know, it's maintained. You have to make sure that you can take, you know, you have good tenants. And if you don't have good tenants, a lot of people see the shiny, um, the shiny pearls of, oh, well, I'm going to have this rental property. It's passive income. I'm going to get these great tenants. There's never going to be a problem. The toilet's never going to break. Taxes are never going to go up. There's all these things that they're thinking. But in reality, all those things take place. So I think, in short, there's lots of headaches with that theory. And real estate could be a great investment if you're the right person that could be a landlord. Uh, Jody, what's your take on this story? 100% agree with you, Paul, uh, on, on all of that. Um, I, I'm a big fan of real estate. I love it. It's probably better than any stock or mutual fund or anything that you could invest in um, because it ju- does generate um, income and it can generate it very, very quickly too. Um, but it is not passive. There's no way that being a landlord is passive uh, for all the reasons that you mentioned. Um, and if you are not a hands-on kind of person, I mean, this is being a landlord you know, it can be a full-time job. There are lots of them, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> from, absolutely. From find it from finding the tenant to fixing the whatever broke to renovating to keeping things up to code, uh, paying things like insurance, and don't forget, 
if you don't have a tenant in a particular unit and that unit is not generating income, you still owe the mortgage, you still owe the payment on the loan to the bank that you borrowed from to pay that that mortgage. So uh, even if your money isn't coming in, your money has still got to go out. Um, so it is not passive. No way that being a landlord is passive. It's terrific. It can be terrific, like you said, for the right person. Yeah, absolutely. And I have a good friend of mine, my buddy Paul. I used to work with him many years ago. He has several rental properties over in Ireland. And he goes back and forth to Ireland to take care of them. And he loves it. He loves the 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 game, uh, fixing them up, buying them, renting them. Um, you know, he has a tenant in there for a long time. The tenant leaves. He goes back. Oh, I got to go back and, and paint and do this and do that. But, you know, he loves it. He loves every aspect of it. And I think if you're handy, it could be great. I think I'm more of a spectator when it comes to real estate. I'll watch like flipping on TV. and But then I could go to bed after I finish watching the show, right? I could see that it be, can become a very big, big problem. So I agree with you, Jody. I think with, um, you know, I'll stick with my mutual funds and my investments for now. Maybe I'll change my mind in the future. But for now, um, I'm going to stick to um, non-real estate investments, even though I'm a real estate lover as well. But I think I'm more of a sideline uh, real estate lover. Um, the second story that we're going to cover is from the Waco Tribune Herald, um, how to turn unused credit card rewards into holiday gifts. And and this is an interesting one, Jody. I think they talk about, you know, you have all these points that build up. And if you're a credit card user and you could send a meal to somebody, you can make a donation in someone's name, you could treat a coffee, you know, buy gift cards, give them out to friends and family, um, gift of a streaming service. Um, so there's really cool things that are associated with them. Um, but in my mind, um, I guess if you have a lot of miles, um, it's an interesting dilemma, right? Because that means you're using your credit card a lot. Um, like I said with myself, Jody, I pay my credit cards bills off every single month. So I don't have anything running on my credit cards. But I do have, admittedly, a, a big basket of credit card miles, which I probably should spend. I'm not good at spending those miles. I always watch to make sure they don't expire, which I don't think they expire anymore for the two cards that I have, but they do build up. And I think I used the story early on when we paid off the mortgage that one of my credit card companies actually gave me the option to make additional mortgage payments with my credit card miles. So I was all over that. I used my credit card miles solely for that. Um, but ever since we paid off the mortgage, I, I don't really use... Uh, I don't really cash in for credit card rewards anymore. Hence, and and don't and never really think about giving them as holiday gifts. But it's an interesting idea, um, Jody. What's your take when it comes to this? I know you're not a big credit card guy, right? So you probably don't have a lot of credit card miles building up. But just curious, what your thoughts are when it comes to these credit card rewards? Yeah, I, I'm not, uh, and and I don't think that anybody changes their life with any kind of points. Um, that said, if you're the kind of person, and maybe this is similar to the landlord story, if you're the kind of person that can manage that whole thing and manage the points and take advantage of the points, you know, I'm not saying that they, they aren't valuable. Um, I, just, I just don't think that they're hugely valuable. They're not, you know, uh, the, and then the example that they give in here is probably the right one. You know, you can probably get a free cup of coffee with points. You know, you're not necessarily going to, you know, uh, uh, pay off your mortgage with points, but maybe you will. I don't know. It's not my thing, so I'm, I'm not going to throw cold water on it too much uh, other than to say that it definitely is not for me. Understood. All right. Cool. Cool. Very cool. Uh, well, now we'll go on to our weekly topic, 401k basics, understanding the basics of the most common retirement plan, the 401k. Um, so 
my current situation, Jody, when it comes to the 401k, I've been contributing to my 401k for many, many years. My wife has been contributing to her TSP, which is a government form of the 401k. Um, I believe there's other forms of the 401k for teachers. There's set plans that, you know, but they're all kind of the same flavor. It's an employer provided vehicle to help you uh, save for retirement. And I've been doing it for many, many years. And so has my wife. Um, the big lesson that I learned is that I probably should have maxed out my contribution from day one. So when I started doing a 401k, I believe I started right, even when I was in college, I think I was contributing to my 401k while I was in school. I probably should have tried to max it out. Like just the max every year. It probably would have been in much better shape as of today, but it's a lesson learned. So I'm just kind of dispensing that advice for those out there, if you could afford it. If it's gonna impact you and you're putting so much away that you're putting stuff on credit cards. I don't mean that, but if you have extra money and you can max out that contribution, I'm a big believer in maxing out the contribution. Um, it was never meant to replace the traditional pension plan, but only to supplement pension plans, right? But it has over the years. It, the, the traditional pension is gone for the most part. I mean, governments have it and, and some small amount of companies have it in the US. I think maybe it's down to 15% or 20%. I really should look the stats up on it, but it's very low. I know that. Um, and over the years, the various pensions that I had with various employers have all been shut down and they've cashed me out. When I say cashed me out, they've collapsed them into a 401k. So whatever the pension was worth at that point in time, they do some calculation and they cut a check and I could roll it to an IRA or put it into my 401k at the time. So the two or three opportunities I had for pensions are all gone. So for me, the 401k is everything. There is no other safety net. So for me, over time, my 401k should wind up being the a, even a bigger asset than my home because that's what I'm going to need to live when I go into my golden years. So Jody, with that, what is your current situation when it comes to the 401k and your experience with that. Yeah, I, I, I want to just put a sort of disclaimer on this too, Paul, is that we're not financial planners. We're not dispensing financial advice on what you should do, or where you should put your money. That well, All we're doing is we're relaying our experience with these things and you know people can take away what they want to take away. Um, what I basically do is I, I just put aside enough money uh, into my 401k to, to capture the company match. And, and I just think that that makes sense, right? If you're not taking advantage of that, you're basically, it's free money. You're leaving it uh, on the on the table. Um, it's really the only free money you're ever gonna get in life, so you might as well get it. Um, and then I revisit that formula annually to maximize my contribution against my monthly budgetary needs. So if I can look at my budget and say, oh, you know what, this year we can do X percent I'll raise it to that. I never lower it but below the threshold um, of being able to capture the match. Um, but I also make sure that I maximize it because anything you put in the 401k isn't taxed and that's important too. Um, but mostly I just don't overthink it. Um, you know, and, and I, I don't want to sound like a pessimist, but I'm of the mind that you'll kind of, we'll kind of never have enough money to put our feet up and be like, okay, all we're doing is playing golf now. Um, so I just want to make sure that I have some money when I get to whatever age that is, where I start drawing down on it, that there's something there that I can use to supplement my lifestyle. So that allows me to throttle back a little bit more on how much I have to work or how much I have to earn from a paycheck. That's very cool. Yeah, I, I, I would have to agree with you. We've, we've talked about this and we're probably going to do a episode 
uh, in the future where we talk about, you know, what is the age to retire, right? And we've, we've talked about this um, at a high level on different podcasts but uh, that we've done in the past. But I think it's something that we'll revisit and go deeper into um, because you're right. I, we, nobody knows right now, especially at our age, right, as to what the next 10, 15, 20 years are going to look like in terms of taxes and everything else. So everything we've been squirreling away, to your point, the, the, the goal line might get pushed way out. And we thought that we did well with our savings and we didn't. I think for me, I just keep trying to put as much away as possible because I think that you can never have too much of that of that money. Just the worst case, you got a big pile that you don't know what to do with. But I, I, I'm agreeing with you as well. Um, it's something that we have to um, think about and kind of figure out over time what that looks like. But um, that'll be for another podcast. We'll talk about when is the proper age to retire. Um, yeah, and and you know when when I say that they'll they'll never you'll never have enough money. What I really think about is healthcare costs. That's the thing that I think is really going to have a, a, a huge effect on everyone in our generation uh, and how much we spend in retirement. It's not it's not the you know oh will I have enough money to travel or will I have enough money for the grandkids or will I have enough money for whatever other that thing is to me I think it's really about the healthcare costs which is why uh, we make sure that we're taking as good uh, taking care of us as ourselves and our bodies and our health as much as we can now because that's gonna have an effect on us when we're in our 70s and our 80s and hopefully our 90s very cool yeah and I'm gonna throw three plugs in here Jody at that at that <laughs> So one, uh, we have a whole podcast on health and well-being and fitness that we talk about these, right? Because you want to be healthy as, as much as you can going into your older ages. The second piece is at some point, Jody, I know that we talked about doing an elder care episode, where we'll, which we'll talk about, you know, okay, we get to those ages. How do we handle some of these expenses and what types of expenses can you expect when you get into your 70s, your 80s, your 90s, right? So we'll do an episode on that. And the third plug, Jody, is, you know, uh, we forgot to mention it at the po top of the podcast. We're on our 75th episode this week. Oh, wow. Look at that. Which is very cool, right? A long way from the beginning when we tried to kind of just wing it. On the first episode, and uh, then we had a, I guess the recap for, I guess this is the fourth or fifth plug. We did our pay years. I think we, when we posted one of our vacation episodes, Jody, I actually found the podcast before the podcast. I think we did something even before the first podcast that we mocked up that I think we put out there, which is interesting. So um, take a listen to both those early pay your, pay your, pay your mortgage podcasts. Um, but don't Just let when that you be... thought you couldn't get enough of us. That's There's right. There's more. That's right. There's more of us. There's more to listen to. So, um, but yeah, Jody, a lot, lots to talk about there, and we'll talk about kind of the expenses of healthcare in future episodes. Um, for today, I think we'll focus on kind of key terms and topics and concepts that are related to the 401k, right? So, um, so what is a 401k, right? And 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 as we said that before, a 401k is an employer-sponsored retirement account. Right? It allows an employee to dedicate a percentage of their pre-tax salary or post-tax salary to a retirement account. Right? And these funds are invested in a range of vehicles like stocks and bonds and mutual funds and even cash. Right? So um, I think for us, you'll hear, and we'll just jump into the concepts, Jody, and no, in just random order, index fund. You keep hearing, okay, you got to invest in an index fund. What is that? 
right? An index fund is a mutual fund that's designed to mirror the performance of a stock or bond index, such as the S&P or the Dow Jones or the Russell 2000 index. So basically, you're buying into the, the market itself. You're not buying individual stocks. So for me, I'm a big believer in diversification, which means that you're spreading your money among not only different stocks, but maybe even different investments. So you might have 25% in stocks, 25% in bonds, 25% in cash, whatever that is, you want to make sure you're well diversified. So Jody, what is your take when it comes to index funds and diversification? Um, you know, I, I don't have a lot of uh, advice or perspective to dole out here other than to say that I follow the, the Warren Buffett uh, example, which is invest in what you understand. Um, if, if you don't understand it, and um, you know, read up on it. You know, educate yourself. And if you can't educate yourself, don't go into it, um, because that's the fastest way to get in trouble. Um, you know, I, I agree with you on the diversification. Absolutely, shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, you know, uh, the last six months, tech has been on a tear. Looks like now tech is not doing so great in the stock market, or at the very least, it's flat. Um, so, you know, you gotta, you gotta get involved in that. But I mean, but even that statement, you know, me making that statement requires me to have educated myself a little bit. And that's, you know, like baseline, our financial superhero, Paul, um, would have a ton to tell us in this, in this perspective, um, of how to invest and what to invest in. So I think you just gotta, you gotta do what you know, uh, and that way you won't get in trouble. Yeah. It's a shame we'll never get him on the show. Uh, that episode alone would be worth um, everyone out there listening to. We could charge for that episode. Yeah, we could. Yeah, you know what? We could charge for that episode, right? That could be Hopefully. like content that you realistically we could probably charge like a hundred dollars. We could. Start that's how valuable. That's to make money. Absolutely. That's how super that superhero yeah, is when it comes incredible. to financials, right? So <laughs> he's the guy. <laughs> but you got your two dads here, so you're gonna have to be stuck with us. Um, so I think the next topic we'll touch upon is, you know, what is the maximum per year that you could contribute? So um, for 2020 and 2021, it's been unchanged. It's $19,500 a year. And what that means is that you could contribute up to $19,500 of your salary into a 401k plan or a SEP or a uh, TSP or whatever whatever vehicle is analogous to the 401k. But for all intents and purposes, we'll just talk about the 401k because the other plans follow suit with everything against the 401k. Um, if you're age 50 or over, and if you if you're in the if you turn 50 at that particular year, um, you could contribute an extra $6,500 a year. So you can have a total of I guess. Uh, just what do my math? It's uh, twenty six thousand. Yeah, you can have twenty six thousand that you could contribute total to your four hundred one k. But what does that mean, right? Uh, what that means is that instead of, and I'm just going to use a traditional four hundred one k here. If you make you know fifty thousand dollars a year, you could contribute nineteen thousand five hundred of that fifty thousand into your four hundred one k. And you won't be taxed on that 19500 At the end of the year, you'll only be taxed on the remaining amount that's left of that 50K. Um, and then, uh, as Paul Becker had said last week, well, you will pay taxes. Yes, you will eventually pay taxes. But chances are, and, and hopefully, you'll pay lower taxes in the future when you're making less income. So when you go to retire and, or you throttle down to that job where you make half or 25% of what you used to make, 
um, your tax base will be lower. Hence, when you withdraw on that 401k, you'll pay less taxes, right? So I think that's the the key there to think about. Um, and so, Jody, what's your take when it comes to, to the maximum amount per year and catch-up contributions and all that fun stuff? I think that's the time when I would be sitting down with my financial uh, advisor and saying, hey, what do I need to do here? Um, you know, you can identify, I can identify my goal, like here's what I, here's where I want to get to, um, how do I do that? And then working with a financial professional and a certified financial planner, um, they'll help you lay out that plan to get you um, to that place, or at least as close as you can to it. And and like I said, I'm, I'm of the mind that I may not get um, across the finish line of wherever I want to get to, and I don't personally have a finish line. I don't think there is one for me. Uh, it's more like a, like a progression, like a step up kind of a thing. Um, but, but get as close as, as you can to that, that thing that you want you, that you want to do. Um, but, but get some advice, get some real honest to goodness, financial planning advice, and that will help you more than anything else. Yeah. And I think that that goes hand in hand and that's great. That's great advice. I have a financial planner that helps me. Um, and he watches over, uh, my 401k account as well as my IRA account. And we'll talk about the IRAs in a couple of minutes, but, um, I have it set that at least once a year, I have a, a reminder in my electronic calendar on my birthday to reach out to my fa- financial planner. Um, just a, just a checkpoint. Even if I've checkpointed with him during the year, I want to make sure that at least once a year, I'm looking closely at what I'm invested in and make sure I'm still on track. And that's what a financial planner should be doing for you. I do talk to him more than once a year, but it's just something that you want to take a look at. Even if you don't have a financial planner, and you're going at it alone, um, it's something you want to take a look at. You want to at least look at your investments at least once a year to figure out what that looks like. Um, there's also the concept of a Roth 401k pre-tax as, a vos, as opposed to a traditional 401k post-tax. And what that means is that um, that same 19500 if you're making 50000 that you put in pre-tax, you could actually put it into a Roth IRA post-tax. So what that means is you could pay taxes now on that money and and your 401k will be invested into the Roth IRA post tax uh, which means you pay your taxes now but any earnings any growth in that Roth IRA is tax free in the future which is an interesting concept um, so there's a lot of debate going back and forth as to what is the best uh, vehicle do you want to do a Roth pre-tax 401k or traditional 401k where you pay it later on in the future. Um, Lots of debate. Um, I don't want to get into the debate today, uh, but some of the highlights are, you know, that since you're growing tax-free in terms of your growth, at the end, you've already paid your taxes up front. So any of those earnings, you don't pay any taxes on where you're, you are paying taxes um, on, on, on your 401k on those earnings, I guess, later on. I probably should be more prepared for this one, Jody, but um, I know for me, I still stick with a traditional 401k. And that might be simply out of the fact that it's just been historical for me to be 401k post-tax. I mean, uh, post, yeah, post-tax. Um, so I'd rather, I'd rather pay for it later on than pay for it now. Jody, what's your take when it comes to the Roth IRA, uh, Roth 401k versus the traditional 401k? Yeah, again, uh, this is a this is a place where my knowledge ends. And so I, I rely on the guidance of uh, a financial uh, professional 
um, to, to show me what the best place is to put my money uh, and to make sure that I'm taking advantage of everything I can take advantage of uh, and to guard against things that might happen in the future. Yep. And I think I just want to clarify something, Jody, here, because I might be mixing things up. So the Roth 401k, you actually pay your taxes now. So you take that 19500 and you put it into the Roth 401k and you pay your taxes now on it. On a traditional IRA, uh, traditional 401k, you take your See, I'm even getting mixed up. So definitely go see a financial planner. Um, you take your money, that 19500 and you invest it now, but it, 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 you don't get taxed on it now. It comes off of your adjusted gross income. So at the end of the year, you're going to pay taxes on 30000 rather than $50,000. Um, so it, it is a very challenging kind of decision to make. And for everyone that's coming out that's new to the 401k, definitely get advice. Don't listen to the financial dads in terms of uh, what to do instead, you know, I would focus on going, listening to the financial dads and just making sure you get the financial planner, get someone to help you with that decision. So I'll move on from that, Jody, because I probably mixed that up a little bit, even in my mind. So that just goes to prove your point. Go see a professional to help you sort out what type of 401k is best for you. And, and, you know, we're not financial planners and we're not dispensing advice other than go see your planner. Um, and we have a whole episode where we talk about, you know, finding the right financial planner. Um, the next topic we'll go to is the employer match. And Jody, you mentioned it at the top of the podcast. What's your view when it comes to the employer match? I love that. It's free money, man. It's the only free money you're going to get in life. Um, and and most, if not all, uh, employers uh, offer some form of a match. Um, it's right there in the documentation. When you sign up for that 401k plan, they tell you precisely how much they will match and what you need to put in to capture their match. And, and usually it goes in steps. Um, so right out of the gate, um, I, I would say sign up for that 401k day one. Um, learn to live without that money from the get, right? Don't, uh, unless you have severe financial problems, severe bill problems at home, and you need to take home every last dime. Um, Learn to live without that money right from the start. And starting a new job is a great time to do that, right? Because if you walk into a bigger paycheck, it's harder, I think, to scale back what you what you take from that paycheck than it is to expand it. Did I get that right? But you understand what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right. So learn to live without that, whatever that is, that 3%. Typically, it's like a 3% um, of your paycheck. And that can, be, that can be nothing. I mean, it's a couple cups of coffee a week. It's not a lot of money. Um, learn to live without that money from the start because your company is going to double that. And then you run that out over 52 weeks or, you know, 26 pay periods or whatever that is. That ends up being a, a lot of dough really fast. And going back to one of our news items talking about, you know, building up money, generating passive income. Man, that is passive income, right? I mean, and it's, it's not exactly income, but you get what I mean. It, it's money and it, and it builds up fast, so grab that match. Yeah, and, and for people out there who are not as familiar, the match is, the employer match will be for, if you, you know, up to typically, I'm going to use the example $3,000 because that's kind of a typical employer match. So we'll just use a round number here. The employer, if you invest, if you put into your 401k up to $3,000, your employer will match up to $3,000, right? That I believe that's the match concept, right? And I have friends that have not 
invested into their 401k and they leave the employer match on the table. And the example I use with them is, you know, would you leave two weeks of vacation time on the table? They're like, no, I wouldn't do that. Although I have some friends that would. But most will say, no, I would never do that. Well, that's what that's you're a doing. That's a great analogy. Match, what a great right? analogy It's a benefit that, that you're, yeah. you're getting from the from your employer that, you know, you're just leaving there. And they win. Like, I don't want to say they win. But they, they get to keep that money, right? It's like, okay, I won't, I won't give you the $3,000 or you're not going to put the $3,000 in. So I think that, you know, the, the rule of thumb here, and Jody, you said it best, make sure that if your company says that they'll invest, you know, match you up to $3,000 or $5,000 or $2,000, whatever that amount is, you at least want to invest in your 401k so you could receive all of that match. And then if you decide that the 401k is not for you, you know, you could, that's a personal choice. You can always bail. That's a good point, Paul, is that, you know, if you start it and it becomes too much of a burden, you can bail. You can turn it off. Yes. Yeah. And I have friends that have done that, that have hit hard financial times and they've had to ratchet back their contributions and but hopefully they didn't ratchet ratchet it back enough where they missed the match because i think that's a big thing if you miss it i think that's a big thing that you're leaving on the table so the next thing we'll talk about jody is the investment mix um and and there's some general rules of thumb here so you'll hear equities and fixed income those are probably the two most common pieces and and most of your 401ks you're investing into a mutual fund that's based on fixed income or equities. And equities are stocks, right? You have international stock funds, which invests in, in companies internationally, right? You have, uh, you'll hear small cap, large cap in the equities market for the US, uh, that's bigger small companies, right? Um, once again, we're not gonna dispense financial advice here, but I could tell you that what they t- what the, the rule of thumb is the younger you are, you could take more risk, and that investment risk risk could be more tilted towards equities because equities or stocks are more riskier than fixed income, which is traditionally bonds, government bonds, and, and corporate bonds. Um, for me personally, uh, right now I'm tilted sixty five thirty five, Jody. I think in terms of equities versus fixed income. My regret is I probably weren't. I haven't been as aggressive. I've always been some level of conservative some, from the get go. And I probably should have been more of a 90-10 <laughs> from an equity to fixed income ratio, but my head would never allow it. But I have friends that have done it that have been very successful and probably are much further ahead because they've invested and took more risk early on in their 20s and 30s, as opposed to when you get to 40s, 50s, and 60s, you dial down that risk. Um, some people say you always have to have some level of risk in your investment mix, even in retirement. Uh, but once again, this is something that is personal needs to be discussed with your financial planner or do a bunch of research on so you get a comfort level and jody to your point knowing what you're investing in you need to have a comfort level whether you have a financial planner or not into what you're investing in so jody what's your take when it comes to the investment mix what you're going to invest in now that you have money in your 401k yeah, I mean the, the diversification is really the key um, and and investing in what you understand and what you know um, uh, it's going to be different for everybody, right? So it's really hard to answer this question other than saying, make sure you spread your money out. I, I wouldn't spread it too thin, you know, kind of, you know, 25%, you know, 25, 25, 25, 25. That's a, you know, four quarters seems to be a good mix or maybe a third, a third and a third, depending. Um, 
and, and again, rely on the advice of someone who knows this stuff if you don't know it. And I mean know it cold. Um, to just you know spread it out a little bit. Don't spread it so thin that it treads water. I think that's really the key. I mean you don't have to be diversified you know, to the nth degree because then it, it'll never grow. Um, you've, you've, it's kind of like a snowball, right? You got to have a little bit of stuff behind it for it to pick up more snow as it rolls down the hill. Um, so diversify, but don't get crazy. Got it. Got it. Yep. And I, I, I totally agree with you. You don't want to have too much diversification until where you're water, where you're watered down. Right. So that makes sense. Um, the, the next item I wanted to talk about is you're leaving a job uh, and maybe some of you will never leave your job and your 401k will stay intact at your current employer until you retire. But at some point, you may leave your job. Um, what do you do with that 401k? And I think I've talked about this on shows in the past, and our su financial superhero steered me straight on this. And basically, if you leave a job with a 401k, you want to roll it over into an IRA, right? And and so, you know, what what is the IRA, right? And so it's got a lot of benefits of a um, of the of the 401k, but it's it's an independent retirement account which means that you have complete control over it and your employer no longer has control to provide you any kind of funds uh, to invest into it. So maybe the best way to put it is your 401k is with your employer and you probably have um, you know, 10 funds that you could invest in. Now you leave your job, you go to another job, you could leave that money in that current 401k. They'll, they'll love it if you keep it there. But you only have the option to invest in those 10 funds. The other option is you could take that 401k and roll it to your next 401k, which is what I've done in the past. And I've rolled it from 401k to 401k. And, and you, when you go from 401k to 401k, you're still limited to your investment choices. So when I left one job to go to another, I went from 20 investment choices actually down to 15 investment choices, uh, more limited exposure to different funds. When I rolled that money to an IRA, the biggest advantage is in an individual retirement account is you can invest in anything. You could buy stocks, you could buy bonds, you could buy individual stocks, you could buy mutual funds. Creatively, you could actually invest into real estate. There's a lot of different things you could do when you, when you put the money into an IRA. So for me, when I leave a job, I take that money from my 401k, put it into the IRA. Jody, any, any thoughts on the whole... 401k IRA movement. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, and and I agree with what you're saying. Again, I think this is the place where I ring up my financial advisor, and I say, hey, what do I need to do here? Uh, they will know better than I, because this is this is where my knowledge of this runs a little dry. No problem, no problem. No, understood, understood. I probably get more in the weeds with my 401k and my IRA, and and I've had a lot of coffee conversations with the financial superhero on this. So I, I think I have the upper hand in terms of for the more knowledge, uh, maybe because I've been able to talk to him through these different things as I've made these blunders. So he's corrected me. Um, I think the last thing we'll touch upon today, Jody, is, you know, loans and withdrawals from the 401k. So, you know, I think from a rule of thumb perspective, um, you know, people will say don't withdraw from your 401k. Uh, leave it there for your retirement. I think there are certain situations where um, it's okay to to withdraw that money out of the 401k. If you withdraw out of the 401k, you will pay penalties. I think it's typically your tax rate plus 10%. I think that's what it is, something to that effect. Um, but Jody, I know we talked about this on past podcasts. 
and you've been open about this, and I know you have a story around this. Maybe we could talk about it for a couple of minutes around um, your 401k and your retirement plans. I know you took some money out to start your business, and and you and it was a great it was a great move for you, right? So, yeah, you no, know, we 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 have done this a couple of times, taking money out of our IRA, and and done it with eyes wide open. And that is the big disclaimer here, because you alluded, Paul, to the taxes and the penalties, and they are hefty. They are big time hefty. Um, what we did was we wrote it down all down on paper and we said if we do this we'll have this and if we do this over here we'll have that and what is the decision that we need to make and we took some time with it and we thought about it we didn't we didn't just make it in an afternoon um, but we did it to um, open doors that would otherwise be closed to us um, and we made sure that we made those decisions again with the advice of a certified financial planner and an accountant who understood what we were doing, how much we needed to take out to, to achieve the goal we wanted to achieve, how much we needed to set aside in order to pay the tax, to hold it, uh, both, both to pay the tax immediately and to hold it for later, um, and to make sure that we didn't um, owe a gigantic bill later that was gonna be unfunded. Um, you've gotta make those decisions very, very carefully and with a lot of good advice. And I'll say that the the, the couple times that we've done it, we've done it a couple times to with with enormous sums of money that we needed to uh, enormous. I mean, that's maybe overstating it a little bit, but <laughs> but larger sums of money that would normally be available to us. Let's put it that way. Um, and we've done it and we've done it smartly. Um, and we've put those um, we put the, the bills that we paid behind us. We put the issues that we wanted to achieve in front of us and, and made sure we could accomplish what we wanted to. We, were, we are in far better shape today than we were at the front, of, front end of that when we had you know, the bills and, and the big sum of money in the IRA. Uh, we've got a smaller sum of money in the IRA and the bills are behind us and the, and the, the business uh, opportunities, are op uh, doors are open to us. We feel much better today than we did back before um, so I would say that you know I, I'm an example of having been able to accomplish that um, in a smart way not that I'm any kind of genius I'm not um, but we've done it and we've done it smartly and and it's worked for us yeah that's very cool Jody and thanks for resharing that story because I think that too many financial advisors um, and too many they shut, people. They shut the door on it. They shut yeah, the door. They, they oh, you're say, crazy. You yeah, very do bad that. idea. Never do it. Never ever do it. Um, you know your your story. People should really listen to this because it's really personal, right? And I go back to if you're, you know, we're in it now, right? If you're someone that was subjected to COVID, and your job is impacted by COVID, and you have a family with three kids, and you're the sole provider in that family, and you don't have any income and stimuluses and everything have dried up and you have a 401k guess what you know i'd be hard pressed to to say don't dive into that right you got to eat now right and and that's why i go back to jody i'm thankful and grateful for the job i have for my wife's job for my situation a lot of families out there are not as lucky to have that situation so you know you really have to listen to jody here and, you know, don't starve and have a big fat 401k or don't miss out on a great investment or business opportunity and you want to keep your money in your 401k, right? Or don't be drowning in debt 
in credit cards and, and all kinds of stuff and have a big fat 401k on the sidelines, right? So Jody, I, I know I'm kind of diving into this a bit, but to your point, it was all great advice, right? You got to go in eyes wide open and it's a personal situation, has to be well reviewed, well understood, and you know the consequences. And for you, it worked out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and let me, you know, big disclaimer, I'm not talking about paying off a credit card. I would never suggest doing doing that. I'm uh, I'm I'm suggesting you know we we did other things, um, and and you also Paul and and thank you for the for the the kind words I appreciate it. The other thing you need to do is you need to be disciplined about the decision you're going to make. You know you can't you can't spend however much that money is you know and and typically you're talking about tens of thousands of dollars. Um, you can't make that decision and then screw it up again. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> you can't, you know, it's just like a credit card or anything else. You can't, you can't go messing up a second time, burning your hand twice on the same stove, so to speak, um, after you make that decision. That has got to be a life-changing decision that sticks. Um, the other thing you mentioned, and and you talked about, you know, Paul, uh, the, you know, losing a job for whatever reason, and you know, you've got to eat today. You've got urgent things you've got to do today. That reminds me of something that we've heard in the past from from other. Uh, financial uh, advice professionals, um, not that we are professionals, um, talking about, you know, how someone gives a kid uh, money for college um, and you've got to, you know, oh, it's got to go in the college fund. Well, yeah, but the kid needs sneakers um, today. Um, you're the parent. It's your job to make that decision on how that money gets spent. Now, if it's if it, it's great, if you can put it in the college fund and let it sit there, but if the kid needs sneakers today, it's your job to go use that money and get sneakers. Um, so it's taking charge of what you're doing as well um, and, and not having a set it and forget it kind of a mentality about your money. Um, and going back to what we talked about where financial professionals for the most part will say, don't touch your 401k, don't touch your retirement. You can't touch that money. You can touch that money. Just make sure that you're doing it in a smart way. Yeah, that, that was great. And <clears throat> I think with that, we'll jump into the summary recap, Jody. And for me, I think the big recaps, and I think you you emphasized them, was this whole this whole end of the podcast, I think might be the most valuable part of the podcast today. So listen to where Jody started talking about his 401k withdrawal experience, right? And I think you'll learn a lot of lessons there. For me, also the company match, right? Reiterating company match is a big thing to take away. And then also make sure you're linking up with your financial advisor or financial planner, right? You want to make sure that any of those major decisions um, you're covering with your financial planner. Uh, Jody, what's your takeaways for today? Yeah, I, I agree with you, Paul. Um, the match is super important. You've got to do it. Um, you know, you start a new job, start putting aside that minimum to, to grab the company match, learn to live without it. It's like losing weight, right? You just got to get started. Just start. You'll get used to it. It's okay. You walk it up over time and use time to your advantage. Use the calendar to you, you to your advantage. Um, you know, that's another reason why we didn't get scared to the point of paralysis of taking money out of our retirement funds because we knew we had a certain amount of time to put it back. Um, and we didn't have a certain amount of time with, with the other things that we needed to use the money for. So that's another thing that really pointed us in that direction. Um, I always wish that I had started earlier, and you said this, Paul, too. I always wish that I had started earlier and had been more aggressive um, with saving money towards my retirement. I, I really lost my 20s and my 30s. 
um, to bad decisions with money. Not only, you know, not saving for retirement, but also spending money on stupid crap. Um, and if there's one piece of advice I could give to anyone, especially younger people, it's get started now and don't buy stupid stuff. Um, I lost two decades where I could have been saving money and been sitting on a, a far larger pile of money than I have right now. So, so get, get going now. Very cool, Jody. I love that recap. And I love that part about the weight loss. I think I have to start that process again. I could always restart, right? <laughs> the weight loss thing. But it ties the financials as well, right? So it, it's very, they kind of um, all along the same line. So you, even if you're not started now, start today, right? Get restarted. If you if you stop for a little while and you want to, and, and you haven't been contributing to your 401k, restart this week, right? Do a little bit, whatever it takes to kind of get you back into the groove. So I think those are all great points in the summary recap. Um, well, Jody, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Jody reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you 